0: So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello, and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And uh, in today's episode, which we're recording on the uh, 13th of April, uh, 2020, and uh, we are in the middle of the pandemic, for anyone who's going to be listening to this in a few months or years' time. And i am uh, got a great guest on today, and uh, this guest, Matt O'Neill, I've actually had already on the show because he is a futurist, uh, and he's also someone that has a, a great appreciation of the principles of quality of mind. And we thought we would get together to have a chat about um, what it's been like for us over the last sort of four to six weeks, personally, what we've been noticing about the mind. Um, And then also get into what's this going to mean for the future? What's this going to mean for how we work and how we interact as human beings? And I can't think of a better person to do that conversation with than an actual futurist, Matt. So welcome to the show again, Matt. Thank you very much, Piers. So, um... First of all, Matt, just give people a quick 15, 20 seconds on who you are. I mean, they can go back and look at the previous recording, but um, just tell people a little bit about you and then we'll get into it. So uh,
1: thanks, Piers. I've been a futurist for about four years
0: now, um, but uh,
1: the, the technical uh, way of describing my work, and I know it sounds horribly pretentious, is a neo-generalist, um, i.e. somebody who is a jack-of-all-trades, hopefully a master of some, Um, And, you know, I've been working in sort of mainly the kind of creative industries, uh, producing sort of all sorts of uh, everything from websites to videos, you know, you name it, we've done it. Uh, And I'm currently in a period of metamorphosis um, as I'm moving into running online events. So that's a bit about where I
0: am. Matt, even your job titles sound futuristic. Uh, So you you have a brand consistency there and how you talk about yourself. Uh, as you're metamorphosing, I suppose the old uh, language uh, is you 're pivoting in, in in your futurism, is that right uh,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: well, I mean you know i don 't
1: think that you you stop
0: doing what you 've done it 's just that you continue growing you know I think that 's the way I look at it brilliant well that 's why I like having you on this conversation so um, first of all, Matt, say what a little bit what what it 's been like for you in the last uh, I guess four to six weeks since, I mean, we're both in the UK for uh, listeners to know what it's been like since we've, uh, our country's entered into this pandemic and uh, we've been on lockdown now for what, three or four weeks. So um, just what's it been like? And I'm particularly curious as to know, um, given your understanding of the mind, what have you been noticing that's been going on at a mind level? Well,
1: the first thing is, Piers, uh, I've missed haircuts. You know, I really, really (laughs) miss a good haircut and I'm starting to uh, look more like a bear than a mat at the moment. Um, I suppose the the other thing that that I found it slightly irksome is, you know, the amount of judgment that I see, you know, especially on social media or even this morning I was at the supermarket and, you know, was was, uh, just looking at some things on a shelf and uh, a lady was being very passive aggressive to another uh, lady for not correctly social distancing. And uh, sometimes I wonder if, um, you know, it's almost a phenomenon of, of, of people actually going to parks in order to take photos and complain about other people going to parks kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that I've found sort of irksome. I, I wish there was less judgment, but it's also uh, helped me to reflect on, on myself as well. So I suppose that, that from, from the perspective of sort of what I've noticed in myself, there's definitely been that. Um,
0: do you want me to go into some of the practicalities as well? Well, I, th- I think just, just to touch on what you just said there for, for a moment before we get into some of the other things that have been for you is, I mean, what I've noticed is that there is a lot of that judgment around. You, you, you can see that on social media. You can see that in people's faces sometimes if you walk out and accidentally cough. Um, but I think at a mind level, it's a really interesting example of, I put this in quality of mind language, what we're seeing more extremes at both ends of the aperture. So... Um, what I mean by that is that there's, there's more, I mean, there's wonderful displays of sort of compassion and love and volunteering and contribution and support going on, which we would describe as a higher aperture, a higher quality of mind. But we're also getting, we're seeing in ourselves and therefore in others, um, more examples of judgment, insecurity, fear and anxiety. So we're getting a, a more fully rounded human experience at the moment. Um, And, you know, that's bearing out by what you're seeing in the supermarket. So, yeah, but Matt, Matt, carry on. Tell us some more about how it's been for you. Uh, So, yeah, I suppose
1: those are two things that come to
0: mind immediately.
1: Like many other people, um, I've been sort of losing some work. Um, You know, we, for example, we had uh, our first ever um, virtual reality project where we were going to create a VR experience for one of our clients at a trade exhibition, and that was very exciting. Then, of course... Uh, that that sort of uh, went away. Fortunately, got one or two clients who are still uh, managing to keep the shutters open. So we're very grateful to those people. Um, I think you know some of the business areas that I would have been involved in because I work a lot kind of around uh, corporate events, in and around corporate events. Uh, those have clearly gone away, at least for the short term. Um, and so, you know, I'm in the process, as I say, of pivoting at the moment and making some changes. I don't think that it's really survival of the fittest anymore so much as it is survival of the most agile. So that's why I've been uh, making serious study and investments into um, helping clients run really good quality online events.
0: A bit, a bit man. And I mean, fascinating, Matt. And I, yes, li- likewise, my, uh, the, sort of face-to-face uh, programs we run have all stopped um, and uh, we are doing some things virtually. Um, but the other challenge that we're finding is um, how do you cut through to someone now when there's so, so everyone's very busy uh, furloughing their staff or doing whatever they're doing um, or just busy being busy um, and there's a lot of noise out there in the market? How do, how do you cut through with a really interesting, powerful offer. But anyway, that's another question.
1: But I think i have... add
0: something to that, Piers. I mean, I think, okay. I think
1: there is a way
0: of cutting through. So,
1: you know, yes, we're, we're all conscious of the fact that uh, we're not quite as uh, busy with our businesses necessarily. You know, I mean, that can, that can phase, that can have ebbs and flows. But uh, yesterday, for example, I was listening to a podcast and uh, one of the interviewees made a really good point that inspired the life out of me. You know, he said, don't think about this time as, as marketing and selling. Think about it more as, can you be of service to your clients? You know, so, so, for example, this morning before we came onto the podcast, I started emailing uh, a few clients that we work with and just saying to them, look, you know, don't worry about the money. You know, if, if we can be there, just as, uh, you know, if we can offer you, say, some, uh, just uh, an ear, or, you know, you want some help with some communications or whatever it happens to be. You know, not everything is about the money. And I think that in the uh, long term, I think if you're if you're offering service, I mean, it, no, the, the, the guy in the podcast said it perfectly. He said, um, you know, if someone's drowning, you don't offer them swimming lessons. You just pull them out of the water. Then you can talk about the swimming lessons. And I think that if we can uh, offer service, you know, then we're already cutting through so
0: much of the noise. Well, that's such an interesting point because I think that's what contributes to the noise. In, in sometimes, so because everyone is uh, not everyone, a lot of people are offering things, and, and often the money's not they're not after money. They're off, they're saying you know we, we can help. There's a lot of people offering help, and I think there's a lot of positivity around. But something really interesting I've noticed is the space or aperture that that positivity comes from. Or that we can help and support comes from. Uh, and there's a difference between um, people who truly see what is going on now uh, as a way, you know, just to be different, to be agile, are, are coming from a secure foundation in the mind um, and happen to be saying things that can be supportive and positive, and people who aren't but are putting. That kind of veneer on top, but accidentally what they 're doing is still instilling a kind of insecurity, fear, and anxiety based to this current situation that this current situation has a kind of uh, uh, a heavy, deep power to throw us all you know off our game and, and, and that kind of thing, so I think there 's a difference between people who are who are saying positive things but fundamentally are still like quite ungrounded themselves in the power of this pandemic to change things, um, and people who actually see that this is just what is going on at the surface, and therefore their positivity and support is coming from a, from a better foundation, which won't be exaggerating the, the fear of the mind pandemic that's going alongside the fear of the body one. Mm. Does, that, does that make sense? And I think it's a really different space to be in and the noise is where those two get confused.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I mean, you've just prompted something else that's related, which is, you know, I've been thinking about, say, myself, and I'm guessing you as well. You know, we're, we're sort of pretty well set up to, to kind of uh, go through this challenge. You know, I mean, we're not going to be running out of food. We've got a roof over our heads. You know, we've both got gardens. We've both got sort of physical space and uh, a certain amount of, I guess, for me, you know, I feel kind of secure to ride this out. But, you know, if I was uh, living in a different scenario, certainly 20 years ago, you know, I was very much hand to mouth. Um, Yeah, I might have looked at this in an entirely different way.
0: Well, and that is interesting. And I'm not being flippant or disrespectful to people here who don't have some of the creature comforts that you and I have, Matt. but I do think it's about what level you look at that at. So in, in, at the level of the game of life, then yes, it could be very different. People might be struggling for food. They might be struggling uh, to see people they love. They might even lose their health or, or, lose, or lose their health to someone that, that they know well and their friends and family. And at those things could well change through this. Um, and it might be for more than just a few months. But I think... At a more foundational level, we have got something else to rely on. Um, that there is something. There's a, there's a level of okayness that is at a deeper level. At, at, so really, at, at the level that matters is the way I describe it, it and that's our capacity for um, resilience, creativity, connection, realization, which is how we're going to we're going to be agile through this. And I think that's what we need to look at. Because if we, if we if we look too much at, well, I'll be okay as long as you know my money doesn't run out or I'll be okay as long as this only lasts for four weeks or four months or as long as the economy is okay by March next year. If we put an arbitrary line on where we think our okayness comes from, um, we're basically uh, banking on optimism or we're sort of saying our happiness or our well-being or our resilience or creativity or whatever is – linked to a condition, which is to do with an amount of money or an amount of time. And that's fine. Our conceptual mind is going to do that. But I think if we can go a little bit more foundational than that, we can see that even without that arbitrary level of okayness, we're still okay at the level that matters. right? And that, that I think, is really foundational for people to see, and that's what shifts it from, I'm being positive and optimistic about this because it will pass, to I'm foundationally always okay at the level that matters. And I think that's such an important distinction. Um, but that's what gets missed in the noise. Mm. Does that make some sense, Matt, and the way I'm just yeah, 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 yeah. I mean,
1: uh, I've, I've found sort of oscillating between you know, what, what you term low and high quality of mind quite a lot recently, I think. But yeah. I suppose on some level, I always know that the capacity for it is there. It's just sometimes
0: I get a bit caught up in in the thinking. Well, and that's the nature of being this wonderful thing we call human. Um, but I also just wanted to pick up on something else you said, because I think we, we chatted about it before the call, Matt. And, and that is, you, you mentioned being, about being agile. It wasn't just about sort of survival of the fittest. It was survival of the most agile. and you know, things like being agile and being able to deal with uncertainty, I've been talked about, you know, in, in textbooks and, and people say on podcasts, you know, you need to be agile. Now, I think what this situation at the moment gives us uh, an ability to do is actually realize that rather than just know it. Mm. Right? Because now actually, wow, no, I actually can be agile. That, 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 that's, you're sort of seeing it in a much more powerful way than just knowing it's an idea of something to be. So, do you, want to, do you want to say a bit more about that? Because, I, I, you know, on the sort of the ad, the way of being agile, how, how you how you see that now, powerfully. Yeah, I mean, it's it, one thing. It's done
1: actually is it's really helped me to realise how accelerated what the, the, I often used to cite agility in my futurist work, especially around future of work as being a core skill of the future. But it seems like the future has arrived quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to refer to it, say, if, in, in general terms, I would often talk about sort of how the world was heading into computerization and humanization and explore, you know, some of the elements of both of those and then how they overlap. And agility to me, you know, I always used to see it as something, especially as contingent labor is well into the ascendancy at the moment. Um, I used to sort of put it as to the people who I was working with, workshops or, or audiences at a conference, you know, your kids probably need to be comfortable waking up not knowing, not knowing what they're going to be doing that day. Uh, but, you know, that seems to have arrived a lot more quickly and, um, and, a, and a lot more intensely as well. So, I mean, one, one example, I think, a really practical example is who would have thought, if I'd had a conversation with you eight weeks ago and said that uh, the NHS will behave like a startup in eight weeks or four weeks <laughs> Would you have believed me, right? Probably not. I guess the fact that it was able to get an app up, up and running with sort of nearly half a million volunteers, it was able to build these field hospitals for thousands of people around the country, uh, and obviously, you know, to, to do everything that um, that, that in, in order to be more prepared. I mean, that's astounding, really. And uh, I think the number of businesses out there that have had to adapt themselves in some way. I mean, I wonder if uh, can we hold on to some of that startup mentality in our Larger businesses
0: and larger organisations, because can you imagine what that will do for innovation? Well, I think. See, this is this is a really interesting point. And when we come to the mind, I think it's so fascinating. So, so what people would describe is, well, the NHS must have shifted mindset to be able to do those things so quickly, right? To to knock a hospital out in eight days, kind of thing, right? So, and they would have let go of probably a lot of uh, their protocol process and just gone with it, right? And I think what's so interesting about that. Is people might say, "Oh well, you know, necessity breeds innovation, or, or tough times allow us to think differently." It's not tough times, right? It's letting go of conceptual mind thoughts and seeing what's possible, right? And this is about a realization, is what what you're saying, is that how do we keep this going, you know, for, for the next five, ten years after after this pandemic has had its initial. Um, hit on us, well, we just have to notice what the mind was doing when we were able to be that, that have that agility and that, that uh, ability to think differently, not going, oh, well, that was because we had a difficult situation, we had COVID, right? And I think this is why I'm really, really hoping that people don't lose sight of what the mind was able to do, whether that's down to the amount of compassion we're seeing right now, the amount of agility we're seeing right now, the amount of love we're seeing right now, just to go, not to pass that off and go, oh, that was just because it was then. No, no, no. Mm. This is, this is, this is an inherent inbuilt capacity of the mind, which we can have even when everything is going swimmingly in the perceived outside world. So I think it's so important that we do capture that, um, but we don't capture it as a feature of um, the, the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I'll tell you what would be funny is whether uh, people start to make case studies out of this and then reverse engineer it six months down the
0: line. I'm I'm sure they will. I, I'm absolutely positive that that will happen, and that's why you know for, for me it'd be so important to try and take a little bit of go. You know, Hang on a minute. Um, and I was I was talking to a leader the other day who said he was actually quite relaxed at the moment because he kind of felt this wasn't really his fault. What was going on to his business. Right? Mm. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. The fascinating bit to take there is, right, in, in, you know, in a year's time when you're feeling you know, stressed about things not going well in the business, and you do think it's your fault, remember this aperture you're in, mm. right? Because it's nothing to do with the outside world, this, right? So capture that and remind yourself that you can feel like this even when everything's going haywire around you. Mm. Um, and that we, but you're right. I think that, that probably what will happen is we'll reverse engineer it um, and, and miss the mind in all of this. Yeah. So I think it's understanding what a realization is about. You know, what is this thing that we can have as human beings? What is this capacity we have, which is a realization? And mm. that is for one set of thinking or mindset to drop and a new one to emerge. And it's beautifully intelligent. It's beautifully contextual to the moment. So that's why we're having realisations at the moment about what to do about this rather than about mm. something else. And it comes along when we get out of the way of our conceptual mind, when we get out of the way of all our thinking, when we stop holding so tight to what we think is right, true, ourselves. When when we when we surrender that, this stuff comes up. Yeah. 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 Why in crisis you- people are are quite agile. <clears throat>
1: There's a real practical point now, you've just mentioned that, that I've just realized, um, which was, you know, in, in the stages of pulling together this new side venture, well, it could become a main venture, let's see, at running the online event. Sometimes, um, you know, you often use the metaphor of, you know, you can row through life or you can sail through it. Mm. And uh, there were some times where, you know, I wasn't feeling quite motivated, you know, a bit demotivated. And then I'd beat myself up saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And then, uh, you know, I would just sort of back off it. And then uh, other days where suddenly the energy just seemed to arise and I'd do more in sort of four hours than I had in the last two days you know, by, by orders of magnitude. Uh, and so, you know, talking about trusting the system, um, it was nice when that happened. I really enjoyed
0: it. Uh, yeah, and it's such a good point because, I mean, you know, you and I have, have worked remotely for many years. Um, well, I don't even say it remotely. I just work where I am. Um, <laughs> remote sounds like you're distant or something. But I don't even say working from home. It's just working. And therefore, probably use sailing the sailing sort of way of just doing what you want to do when we want to do it rather than having to sit in an office and do it between nine and five, right? So, so we're probably a bit more tuned into that in my day. I don't do things unless I feel like doing them. Um, unless I got, you know, some external commitment, I guess, but for a lot of people, they're used to discipline being their motivational sort of channel. And what we're pointing to now is, well, actually, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a more foundationally powerful way of tuning into your own, uh, resourcefulness um, that you're probably getting to see a bit more now because you've got less external things disciplining mm. you. Yeah. Um, and and, and when, once you get into that sailing rather than rowing, wow, things happen. You get quantum productivity. Yeah. Um, so, so that's
1: lovely. I like that phrase. I'm borrowing that. Oh, sorry, not borrowing. They call it reappropriating. <laughs> We're hearing so much about the Zoom fatigue at the moment. You know, are people sort of feeling like they're, they're struggling from just having so many hours of the day fixated uh, on a screen? So, so I guess that leads to, you know, an element of fatigue. But also, uh, the question that I think is really interesting is uh, what does it mean for intimacy? You know, is intimacy something that purely comes from those paralinguistic cues that we get from looking into the whites of someone's eyes, or, or is it something altogether different?
0: Well, that's where I get, because I mean, you and I chatted about this the other week about what I call virtual intimacy. And, you know, if I look at it from slightly more upstream now, from the mind, it would look to me that we've. A lot of us, well, most of us, you know, society has been conditioned to get a feeling of connection, intimacy from proximity, from, you know, being near, being close to someone in, in, in uh, you know, that they're near you through touch or look or whatever. And we, that's, that's how we get our connection hit. Now, if you think about actually what, what the mind is, we know that's not the only way of getting it because, you know, how many times have you looked at a photo of a friend or a family member and had just a warm feeling of connection? Um, and how many times you've done that without even having a photo in front of you, they just appear in your mind and you can feel love or you can feel compassion or you can feel whatever it is you want to feel. So so we know we don't need proximity, uh, physical proximity to feel connected and, and intimate. But I think we've detuned ourselves from that um, through the fact that we're, we're very social beings and... and don't get me wrong, there, there is at the game of life level a need for social connection because we learn socially and we procreate socially. But th- there's, there's no reason why we can't recalibrate ourselves to have virtual intimacy. So I just don't think we're, we're tuned into it and it's something that over time I think we will start to warm up to that we will appreciate that consciousness is bigger than just being in proximity and you can get a, a lovely hit of connection um, by not being near someone, I think that'd be that'd be really foundational.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've said to you before. I think some of the most connected moments of my life have been just over a phone, mm. you know. And, and uh, I just remember feeling so surprised by that, especially the first time it happened. You know, like that. It was just a feeling of uh, just almost just pure love. My entire body was tingling in every sense of the word. Um, and uh, yeah, I shall never forget it. You know, I shall never forget it. And, and so that told me an awful lot about uh, intimacy. And it doesn't have to be something, as you say, where we're in person with, with someone else.
0: But, but I think that the implication for that, for how we run our online meetings is interesting because what it seems to be at the moment is a lot of people are going, well, okay, we need to get people on the on the zoom call or whatever. And we need to have nice PowerPoint presentations. We need to have this, we need to have that. And actually they're not giving the space in that online arena for just, and this will sound a bit odd, but just, let's just connect with each other, even though we're here kind of thing. And, and we, instead we get bombarded with slides and blah, blah, blah. So it, it's about actually just tuning back in to that humanness, even though, to be fair, some people don't even do it in in face-to-face either, but it's it's even more neglected, but it's even more needed when it comes to virtual meeting. So I think that would be an implication. We've been saying um, for years that the only only constant is change, right? Uh, Now, I think what COVID's done, if I sort of take a theme from everything you've been saying is, it's just exaggerating and enhancing that change. Right, mm. which was always happening. It was, it was always the only constant. But it's, it's now becoming more vivid and, it, and there's a higher impact on people and it's speeded it up. Mm. So, and, and actually, it's funny, isn't it? Earlier this year, when we saw, saw some of those um, environmental things going on, like the fires in Australia and, and all the floods in the UK, etc., and Extinction Rebellion and voices like that, they're going, actually, the planet's speeding up on what it wants us to help us help with the environment. And then here's COVID coming along helping us speed up on other things of change. So it's like a massive wake-up call. And we, I think, well, from my biased perspective, it's all about understanding the mind differently. And if we do that, we'll be able to... Uh, be agile, have realizations, and survive and thrive in this. Hmm. Um, but it, it, there's really nowhere to hide now from COVID. I don't think there's anyone going, oh, what's, what's going on, really? Hmm. You know, so so it's, like, it's, it's like the biggest wake-up call, uh, and it's going to exaggerate and enhance all this change. And to me, the, the factor that will make the difference between whether it's change that is uh, kind of exciting, exciting, um, pleasant, nice, enriching, fulfilling, or whether we all go down the other way and it feels like overwhelm and, oh my God, we can't cope and we all get depressed and anxious, is the mind. I, I do think that that will make the difference because that also controls our own resourcefulness to do the practical things, uh, like the things you're talking about, um, to match the evol- evolving yeah. for what we need. Yeah. So, I, with,
1: think I mean, point on point. one level, Piers, I think on one level, <laughs> I mean, aren't we so lucky to get to experience something like this in our lifetime? I know not everybody would agree, but, you know, to be able to have this shared experience with, you know, all these people, but, you know, pretty much everybody is, mm-hmm. is affected by it. And, you know, who knows where it's going to take us. Uh, but, you know, I think, I also think sometimes we people who are alive now are amongst the luckiest people to have ever lived, you know, like we... We started, you know, when I was young 30 years ago, playing outside on bicycles, you know, and just always getting into trouble and stuff. And then, you know, eventually getting into personal computers, but still having the benefit of that outdoor life and then moving into a more digital life. And it just feels like, oh, oh, and travel, you know, just being able to freely travel, you know. I mean, I'm so grateful. I've probably been to about 80 different countries in my life. Um, So I think that in many ways we're incredibly lucky to uh, get to experience this. And yes, there's a lot of downside to it, but my God, isn't it exciting?
0: Well, well I agree. And, 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 and life for living. And I don't mean that in a hedonistic way, you know, living as in living it up. I just mean to embrace uh, everything that ha- is happening and not to try and control it, which is one thing we like to try and do. Um, because, you know, I think as things have been telling us recently, you can't control it. You can't know the future, right? Um, if you try and control and know you're going to be limiting yourself, mm. it's, it's, it's strap yourself in, know what your, the mind's potential is and enjoy it or not enjoy it, but whatever it is, it's a rich experience. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's an ebb and flow. It's a, it's a roller coaster. And that roller coaster will bother you if you try and either control the roller coaster or have a view that it shouldn't be like that. Mm. Right? So now, in I'm, other words, you, know, like, so you can't future-proof anything, but you can be future-ready. Well, that's right. And I think it is an exciting time to be on this, this part of this, this ecosystem. Um, and, you know, the more we, 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 we go with it, um, the more fun it will be. So, or fun may be the wrong word sometimes, but, but, it's, but it is part of the human experience. Mm. And that's what we need to encompass surrender to, um, but not surrender to in a, in a head in the sand way, but surrender to to allow the sailing rather than the rowing. So yeah, the, just, just to, to, you know, that the rowing being trying to psychologically manage it and the sailing being, well, actually, let's just see what turns up. Um, and now is a, a rare opportunity, um, <clears throat> although it may become more, less rare to do that. So, so Matt, we, 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 we could speak all day. Um, any, any sort of final thoughts you'd like to sort of encapsulate this all with?
1: Um, well, actually, I was just going to sort of in support of what you do, Piers. You know, I mean, we're, I was chatting with some friends the other day, and uh, somebody said, you know, we aren't we lucky to be mentally equipped to deal with this? Mm. You know, so, you know I, I, I wouldn't say like I'm the most super aware person, but I have glimpses, you know, like I have glimpses, and I kind of, um, in, in your mind, you know, in your way of expressing things and mine now, you know, I, I kind of oscillate between a lower and a higher. Uh, aperture, also, hopefully, on the higher. Um, and, you know, just I, I think that by having that sort of, by, by having that way of, that, that worldview, being able to uh, look at the world, it, it's just, it's a lot easier place to live uh, than if you're always getting bunged up with your thoughts.
0: Yes. And I think, you know, now is, now is a very telling time for that. So, you know, and, and I would, well, I, first of all, appreciate what you've just said. And I would also put an offer out to, to anyone who is going, well, okay, you two seem to be okay about this. How are you doing that? Right. Well, we'll reach out and ask us. Um very happy to be, to be generous on, on helping people through at this time. Um, there's also other podcast episodes that people might want to listen to around um, COVID and, and connection and things. So, um, you know, I'm, very, I know you are, Matt, too, very happy to share what you see to help people. So, because it, it, this, this, this can, some, you know, recognize there are people out there who are not finding it as exciting as you and I are. So, um, I, you know, appreciate you, Matt, giving it your time to talk. Um, always fascinating. I'll put some of your information in the show notes if people want to know more about how to get hold of you or some of the exciting things you're up to. Um, but thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, as for everyone else, uh, have fun being curious and do check out some of our other podcasts. Uh, until next time, have fun, stay safe, see you soon. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.